Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly biography show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Gray. You name it, and my guest today can claim it. Dr. Chris Jones, current Democratic nominee for governor of Arkansas, is a nuclear physicist, doctor with a Ph.D. in urban planning, father of three, entrepreneur, ordained minister, and husband to an Air Force combat veteran, Dr. Geraldine Jones. But one thing he is not is a politician. Born in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, raised by a schoolteacher, this young man dreamed of being an astronaut. As luck would have it, Deafness in one ear would keep him from that part of his dream, but not all of it. On a NASA scholarship, young Chris went to Morehouse College for science and math, MIT for a master's in nuclear engineering, another master's in technology and policy, and last, a Ph.D. in urban planning. Dr. Jones has returned home to raise his family and give back to his home state of Arkansas. It was 2018 when he became the executive director of the Arkansas Regional Innovation Hub a division of Winrock whose mission is to build businesses and create jobs while protecting the environment. Chris calls the Innovation Hub's Arkansas clients, makers, artists, and entrepreneurs. And on top of it all, like the brilliant past Governor Bill Clinton, Dr. Jones is both super smart and a great communicator, as you will hear today. It is my great pleasure to welcome to the table the well-rounded, smart, personable, and ambitious candidate for governor of Arkansas, Dr. Chris Jones. Hey, hey, how's it going? It's good. All right. The so first, good to be here. Thank you. All right. The first and most obvious Uh-oh. question. Obvious question. Why in the world, with all that education, <laughs> would you want to go to be a governor when in the private sector you could make more money, work less hard? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? Yeah. why? 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 How did that come to be? Did somebody come to you and just yank your yank, me. yank your chain or I mean what happened? Well look, first off, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um it's it's great to be a part of this conversation. And I'll say Arkansas is worth it. At the end of the day, Arkansas is worth it. I'm a seventh generation Arkansan. And so when I think about my life's journey, none of it would been po- would have been possible without Arkansas. And so I want to give back to the place that gave so much to me. And really, it was a chance encounter that planted the seed for me even being here today and doing this. And that was my dad brought me from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. He sold insurance. And he would often ride me around with him when he was out. We were in, a, I think, a Volkswagen Beetle that had a hole in the bottom because, you know, they didn't. Why did all, all those old all boats? The, they, they all did. They my all boyfriend's had a hole in the bottom. The bottom. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, it was, so it was pretty common. Mm-hmm. And we got to the mall up here in Little Rock and bumped into none other than then Governor Bill Clinton. And I was fascinated by that encounter because he listened, he cared, and he was engaging. And so after I asked my dad, I said, well, Dad, what does he do? My dad said, he's a governor. I said, but what's the governor do? And he said, go look it up. Because back then, we didn't have Google, we didn't have cell phones, so we had to go home to the Encyclopedia Britannica. And when I pulled out G, I found out that a governor could solve problems and could make a difference in people's lives. And so it was really about the public service aspect. And then at eight, I said, I want to come back one day and serve my state. How old were you? I was eight years old. Have you met Bill Clinton and told him that? I have. What did he say? Uh, well, he was almost in tears. Yeah, that's so him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, and, you know, and the conversation was really about how we make Arkansas better. And so it's important to, to be mindful of the encounters we have with people because they can literally shape the trajectory of, of, of folks' lives. That's why teachers are important. Teachers are critical. And my mom's a lifelong educator. Everyone who made the most impact on your life Nine, nine times out of ten, you'll say a teacher. Or your parents. Or your parents. As a young boy growing up in Pine Bluff, you wanted to be an astronaut. Tell I us did. about that dream. 
Well, I, you know, I loved um, science. I loved exploring. I loved looking at, at space because uh, we lived we lived out where you could see the stars. And also, when I was eight, something interesting happened that year. That was the year of the Challenger accident. That was a year when everyone was paying attention because Krista McAuliffe was going to be the teacher in space. And so there was a whole curriculum around uh, science and NASA and space. And between Krista McAuliffe and Ron McNair, so Ron McNair, African-American male, so I saw someone who looked like me. And he was going, he was like going I, on the he shuttle. Was going, he was mm-hmm. on the shuttle. With the teacher. Mm-hmm. He's a North Carolina A&T graduate, and he went to MIT. Oh. So studying that and learning that, when I saw, had that experience and saw the explosion, it made me feel like I wanted to be a part of making it right and going again. It seems like it would make you scared. It, it seemed like it would, but it didn't. It inspired me to say, how do we fix it? How do we solve the problem, and how do we continue to explore? So your brain at eight years old, that was a big year for you. Eight, you met huge. Bill Clinton. Yeah. Eight, you saw the uh, Space Shuttle Challenger blow up. Eight was big. Eight was a big year. So what's your father do? My father, he um, worked on Cotton Belt for a while, but then he sold insurance for most of my life. And he's a pastor. And your grandfather. My grandfather. So my family, like I said, has been in Arkansas for over 200 years. And my mother's father who's from the Stevens area, Jesse Tarts. And he had a third grade education and he drove a truck. He was a truck driver all my life. Uh, he'd actually, um, on, when he was putting steel on a truck, the truck fell and cut off two of his fingers. Uh, so he was a, a strong man and was a quiet man. But he also had a big impact on my life because he's the one that told me when I was sitting in his truck bed, he said, big man, get an education because when you get it in your head, no one can take it out. Now, this man had a third-grade education. That's a lot of wisdom. for A lot of wisdom. Yeah. Interestingly, he and his brothers, he had one sister, Darlene Torrance. He and his brothers all sacrificed their education to make sure she could go to school. And she was one of the first, graduate, first African-American graduates of the University of Arkansas after she went to Philander. Lovely. Yeah. They made the sacrifice. And he was saying education is worth it. Because and she's a woman. Out. They gave the sacrifice to a woman, which is even more interesting. There it is. Exactly. She must have been the, felt like she was the most book, book, bookish of, of all of well, them. Well, that was part of it, um, but they also took care of her. And she, and she was an educator herself. So She became a teacher? She became a teacher. You've she got a lot a, of teachers in your family. A lot of teachers in your family. So uh, your family can be traced back to 1819. Yeah, before and, 1819. Before, what, what, you know, all in Arkansas? All in Arkansas. Cotton picking? Well, they were slaves. Because mm-hmm. I and I actually carry around sometimes uh, a few things in my pocket. One of them is a copy of the census record from pre-1960s. And it's just an age and a dash. So I've traced my family back to the foster plantation. That's Where one was that line, one? Uh, in South Arkansas. Washington County. You're lucky you can trace it back that far. Um, very. Yeah. I watch Finding Your Roots, and they can't find Mm-mm. a lot of African-American um, history. Interestingly, one branch of my family actually traces back to the O'Gwens that are from Ireland. Oh, fun. Yeah. Is that black Irish? Does that make you black Irish? That makes me black Irish. <gasps> That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So Letty O'Gwen was um, my sixth great-grandmother who was living in a house, and you look at the census records, uh, and you see who where her father was born. Her father was born in Ireland. How did they, do you know, you know how they got to the United States? I have no idea. I'm still trying to figure it out. So if someone listening knows, let me know. There you go. Uh, so how does a boy from Pine Bluff on food stamps, we mm-hmm. haven't even mentioned that, end up at MIT, and you call it an X factor. What is the X factor that got you? Yeah. Is it because you're a lot of times when I interview people that do really well in, in education and go far to get a lot of degrees, it's because their mother was a school teacher. Mm. A lot of yeah, times that's, I've, that's I've, a good point. I've seen that. So what is your X factor? Mm. How did you end up with a NASA scholarship and at Moorhead College for math and science? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's a few things that make up that X factor. You know, one of it is uh, just God. Mm-hmm. God gave me the resources, gave me the opportunity, and put me in places that I really stati- statistically should not have been. So, in other words, though I grew up in Pine Bluff, you look at the statistics of Pine Bluff and you think uh, it's 
nothing. It's devastation. It's poverty. It's crime. And yet I was able to do research at the National Center for Toxicological Research. I was able to do research in high school at UAPB, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff. And so those experiences exposed me to so many things. Um, And I think that's the second part of the X factor, exposure. Being exposed at an early age to the range of possibilities Mm -hmm. made a huge difference. I think the third part of the X factor is, is being surrounded by folks who believed in me. Not because of what I did, but because of who I am. And that was the community that was surrounding me. Uh, and then lastly, you know, knowing that I had to work hard. Because if I didn't work hard, then someone, others will be depending upon uh, the outcome. Oh, guilt. A little bit. That's my, that was my motivator. Bit. I didn't want my mother to have to buy Mm-mm. anything from me because I knew she would have to do right. without. Exactly. And they would quickly do without. Oh, absolutely. Mother would not get a new coat so that I could yep. have a new coat. So you work hard. And Guilt. you want to you carry your weight. You want to carry your weight. You want to carry your weight. So I don't know how you instill that in people, though. I don't know how come I had that. I mean, I don't know what. I don't know. Hmm. So you're an ordained minister, I and am. your father was a minister? My father is a minister, and my mother's a minister. Oh, wait, teachers, ministers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell us what denomination. Well, we grew up. Uh, missionary Baptist, so I went to Barricky Street Missionary Baptist Church growing up. But we also went to Pentecostal churches. We went to AME churches. Mm-hmm. So we had the full range. for. And what I learned through that experience is that it's really about where are you getting the real teaching of the Word of God. Doesn't matter what denomination it is. But when you, when you study and you explore and you listen and you unpack, does it align with the Word of God? If, if it does, then you know, I don't care what denomination it is. What is the word of God? What is the word? Ooh, is there something? Are we getting mm-hmm. What is the word question? of God? Uh-huh. What is that? It's a lifestyle. We live it out. Yeah. We should. We should live it out. Yeah. So when I go out now, one of the things I say is that, because I believe this, the second most important commandment in the Bible that I read is love thy neighbor as thyself. So I don't need to know you to love you. It doesn't say love your neighbor if you know them, if you have a relationship with them. If you agree with them. If you agree with them. So whether you're, whatever party you're in, whatever your background, whatever you, you're my neighbor and I love you. Now, love is an action word. So I have to show that I love you. And love is not a soft thing. It doesn't mean you get to run over me. But it does mean that I'm showing up for you in your time of need and I'm being there with you uh, on the journey. So how do you align yeah. science and religion? <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. Well, you saw my launch video, my announcement video, where I talked about this idea that, that, that there isn't a conflict between the two. Because they're two different things. Religion and my faith tell me why. My science tells me how. It's two different things. Religion is about the existential question. And the science is unpacking that existential question. How do we? How did you meet your wife, Doctor oh, Geraldine yes. Jones? My God, this woman she is, is a rock star. She's an ER doctor. What hospital? UAMS. Oof. She was an ER doctor on the front lines in Afghanistan. On the front lines. In Tell Afghanistan. us how you met her. Tell us yeah. a little bit about her. So she is amazing. Kelsey. She. So not only is she beautiful, she's brilliant. Um, she's funny. And we, in December, we would have been married. We will be married 20 years. Really? Yeah. So she's been my partner for that whole time. Uh, we met in church. Uh, we were both in Boston. I was there for grad school, and she was there for medical school. And we were, um, so the, the thing is, physicians tend to get up early. Engineers tend to stay up late and get up late. Really? Yeah. So engineers will work through the night. Physicians are up early and on it. So she, had, she and her friends were coming from early service at church, the 8 a.m. service. And me and my, my engineer friends were coming to the second service, like the 11 a.m. service. And we passed each other. And it was a crowd. We bumped into each other. And we got to know each other. And then two weeks later, we saw each other at an event. And we just locked in and fell in love and talked to like 4 a.m. that morning. So my wife, Dr. Geraldine Jones, not only is she... An ER doc. She's also the state medical director for disaster preparedness. Really? Right. So she was leading, uh, helping lead us through COVID. Mm-hmm. 
while she was also working nights in the hospital. And then for about two weeks straight, she worked seven days a week nonstop because she's committed, because she cares, and because she wants to use all of her gifts to serve others. She's also, she also teaches an exercise class. What a machine. Like, it's, uh, it's, I love her. I would never take a class, by the way. <laughs> you wouldn't? I would never take a class. It's too hard. It's, it's too hard. hard. It's too hard. It's I just fun, thought you didn't too... want her telling you what to do. Well, that too, but it's just too hard. Look, she, so she did serve in Afghanistan, and did, you'll find this interesting since Flag and Banner is your company. Uh, what, one of the most fascinating things I remember about her being over there was that she took the time to take two flags and fly them. And she brought one back for my dad, and she brought one back for her dad. Her dad is also an Air Force veteran, but he didn't serve in combat. So she hmm. served in combat. He didn't. And, she brought, and they have them displayed at the house. Two flags that flew in Afghanistan. Two That's flags cool. That flew in Afghanistan. She's a f- first responder as well. You heard of the Boston Marathon bombing? She was working at the finish line. We lived about a mile and a half away from it, so I heard the, the bomb go off. And I saw it on TV, and I immediately started calling her. It took an hour to get to her. And, and as soon as I got through, I was like, you need to come home right now. You need to come home. She said, hold on. No, I don't. I'm exactly where I need to be. And I need to get off this phone. Is she, where's she from? She's from Alabama, born and raised in Alabama. She went to, um, oh, she wasn't born there. She was raised there because her dad's military. Uh, she was raised in Montgomery, Alabama. She went to Howard uh, in D.C. Uh, for undergrad in biology and then Harvard Med School. That's awesome. All right. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Chris Jones, current candidate for governor of Arkansas in the November 8th election. Still to come, how Dr. Jones, a rocket scientist with a Ph.D. in urban planning, will use his higher education to advance Arkansas on topics that we're all interested in, like health care, which his wife can do, education, which he grows up with a bunch of uh, teachers in his family, crime. I'm going to hear about that. Infrastructure. Well, that's what he's got a Ph.D. in. So we'll be back to talk about the topics right after the break. Want to hear some good news? Dancing into Dreamland is already scheduled for next year. Save this date, February 11th, 2023. Festivities will start that Saturday night at 7 o'clock. The dance competition will start at 8. There's already nine competitors signed up to vie for a cash prize. And audience members get to text in their favorite performers, too, for a People's Choice Award. It's our favorite annual event, Dancing into Dreamland at the Dreamland Ballroom at Flag and Banner, downtown Little Rock, already scheduled for February 11th, 2023. Dreamlandballroom.org for information. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Chris Jones, a boy from Pine Bluff that grew up to be a nuclear physicist, doctor of urban planning, minister, father, husband, and who is now running for the governorship of Arkansas in the upcoming election on November the 8th. Was there an event that made you think, I need to move back? You're living in Boston. You've got a great life going on. How many girls do you have by now? Two. And, and the you, third uh, one we had in Maryland, and then we uh, came back here. What Was there something that happened that made you decide to move home to Arkansas? No, no I've, I've always wanted to come home. You and always so my, my, um My pathway mm-hmm. was to get my Ph.D. Now, what originally, I wanted to go to Morehouse, go to MIT, become an astronaut, and come back home. You and always knew. I always wanted to come back home. So that was always a part of it. So I, I couldn't become an astronaut because I can't hear it. I'm my right ear, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. The year after I graduated and walked across the stage with my Ph.D., I was back on the ground here. And the thing about it is we ne- I never left Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I visited three or four times a year, always. My girls came here in the summertime. So it, it was going to get my education, but it was never leaving Arkansas. So it wasn't a hard move back at all. Uh, is this true? Oh, oh. Does Arkansas have a one billion dollar surplus? Uh, that is not true. It's one point six billion. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. I was shocked. One point six billion. And we're fighting about how to use it. How, how to, to use it? How to pay teachers? How to pay teachers? We have teachers that are literally on food stamps. Yes, your mother was a teacher on food stamps. So what are we doing? What are we doing? We just talked about how important teachers are. What are we doing? Infrastructure. Diamond City, Arkansas. Uh, I was speaking with the sheriff there, and we were talking about their water and sewer system. It's three to five years away from failing. Mm. If that happens, it's going to run off into the Arkansas River. We're the natural state. 
Yeah. So imagine if all of that ran off into the Arkansas River. It's not like we can't do the tough stuff. Mm-hmm. We can do the tough stuff. The question is, do we have the will to do the tough stuff? Right. And do we have leaders who have the will to do the tough stuff and say, no, this isn't about my title. This isn't about making a few people feel good. This is about how do we fix things for all of Arkansas. It seems to me that most uh, politicians today are about publicity. Well, I, I what can this, I say to yeah. get me on the front page of the paper? That's, it's, it's the, the system is designed to incentivize certain things. Right. Mm-hmm. So how, how, do I, how do I keep the position by being on the front page, by being out there? Because, the, and you can't blame them because humans vote on the person who has the biggest followers. On, yeah. I mean, the social media thing, I mean, name recognition, it's all about that. Most people don't want to do the research. They right. just want to go, oh, I know that name. What's consistent is that people are busy. Mm-hmm. They're busy trying to make sure their kids are safe and okay. They're busy trying to make sure they can keep a roof over their head. They're busy trying to get their car fixed because they're driving over roads that are messing up their tires. And and they're just busy with life. Uh-huh. And there's no space to do the kind of political research that we want them to do. Yeah. Right? So Because their life cycle doesn't allow that. And historically what they found is no matter how I vote, my road still doesn't get paved. No matter how I vote, my school still gets closed. So they aren't seeing changes, which means why would I invest in something that I'm not getting a return on? I think that is the deal. I ask people all the time, did you vote? No, it doesn't make a difference. But it does. It does make a difference. And so we're telling folks that, and they're listening and they're hearing it, and they're waking up in places that they hadn't woken up before, and they're realizing that actually, no, in in this election, in this time, in this moment, my vote is my voice. And there's an opportunity to have a seat at the table to actually change things. All right. There are lots of topics uh, important to people. Education, yeah. crime, equality, infrastructure, job, incarceration, mm-hmm. health care, families, generational poverty, banking, housing, mm. healthy living, uh, policing, safety, veterans. Which one do you want to talk about? You pick. Oh. All of them are important. <laughs> All of them are important. So yeah. we talked about your mother being an educator, yeah. and we think we should raise prices on that. Okay. We think that they should. We've got one point six billion dollars surplus. Let's raise. And we're losing teachers, and we're mm-hmm. not getting new teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in, at an increasing rate. We're, our teacher workforce is decreasing. Meaning, Which is yeah, yes. we're losing them. Uh, your wife is a veteran, she and is. I watched something where you said that there is a surplus of federal money available to Arkansas. There are 200,000 so veterans. Yeah, 200,000 veterans. We're we only serve 95,000 of them. And there's federal money sitting federal in a coffer somewhere waiting. that we're not We're not using. taking advantage of. What? Yeah. And what, one of the challenges that we have, because I've, I've sat with all of the department heads uh, and, and talked about Arkansas doesn't have enough, it doesn't take much, but doesn't have enough uh, staffing to both pull down the federal resources and get it out to folks. I asked, what would it take to serve all 200,000 Arkansans? 500,000, half a million dollars a year. Mm. And we've got 1.6 billion. And we have 1.6 billion. Half a million dollars a year, and we could have the, the structure and infrastructure to meet the needs of all veterans in Arkansas. And pull That's that an money, investment worth and pull the, and pull the that money federal money down. down there. It doesn't come from housing, taxpayers. For mental health services for um, uh, for educational services. Like, these are so things why that we is can that do. not being done? I mean, it, you know, you're you doesn't take a rocket scientist, which you are, <laughs> to figure that out. Yeah, no. Why is that not being done? you got to ask somebody else about that one. How do you get know. that done? Does it have to go through legislature? Yeah, anything that's dealing with the purse strings has to go through legislature. So, you, so it'll, who you elect as your state rep and state senate matters a lot. So if, if you were governor, yeah. you would go in and say, all right, guys, I want half a million dollars from the state. Yeah, to serve our veterans. To serve our veterans. And their families, yep. And their families. And then, and then how would you train those people to get to, to, to ask for that money from the federal government? Well, so the, the structure's already there. They know what to do. They do. Yeah, they know what to They're do. They're trained they just, already. They just need additional. That's a scale. It doesn't take a lot of scaling, but, you know, for example, you run an awesome blog and an amazing podcast. Thank you. So you know how to do it. The, yeah. If you want to reach 50 million people, the model's there. You just need a few more staff members. You I got gotcha. you. A few more. That's all. Mm-hmm. 
your wife's a doctor. Yeah. What's the biggest problem facing doctors? Oh, my goodness. Uh, there's a similar problem with the workforce. That's one. Every place has got Every a workforce, place workforce problem. problem. For, for us, and there's doctors and then there's the system. Um, we are facing a big challenge with hospitals and hospital systems, in our rural areas particularly, because they're at risk of closing. Mm-hmm. And there was a report that came out, and Roby Brock um, uh, had, had them on his show. He issued the report. Um, some of our hospitals are losing tens to hundreds of millions of dollars a, dollars a year. They're losing it. Which they're at risk of closing because of our Medicare reimbur- Medicare reimbursement rates, and the way we are reimbursed doesn't actually meet the need of those hospitals. So you think about a place in, let's say, my mom's hometown of Stevens, they're at risk of losing the local hospital. How do they get, How do they change the way they're reimbursed? Well, th- that's a delegation of the um, of the governor, and uh, our federal delegation has to go to. Uh, the U.S. Department of uh, Health and Human Services, I believe. Don't quote me on that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and really ask for that uh, an adjusted reimbursement rate. So it, it's possible. Now, my understanding is that Governor Hutchinson is actually working to do that. Oh, good. Which is going to help and is needed badly. Um, so here's a story. My mom, uh, who is amazing and I love, two years ago, she was here for my daughter's violin concert. And as she was in the parking lot getting there, I saw her face droop and I saw her speech slur. She was actively having a stroke. Within five minutes, she was at UAMS. If she had been in her hometown of Stevens, and she's fine now. She's recovered. She's gone through her um, rehab. And, but if she had been in her hometown of Stevens or my dad's hometown of Hughes, she might not be with us today. Why? Because of access to quality health care. That's a bigger systemic problem too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need to invest in those communities so that they support the hospitals that are in them so yeah. that the doctors and the nurses want to keep living there and exactly. they have enough patients to support the hospital and all that stuff too, right? Yep. Yeah. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Chris Jones, who is running for governor of Arkansas in this year's November election. We'll be right back. Flagandbanner.com. You know, we have a YouTube channel with over 100 tutorials, decorating tips, interviews, lots more, too. Anytime you have a question about flags, we're the experts. Flagandbanner.com and our YouTube channel. Also, on our website, you can get directed to that YouTube channel to watch the videos of previous Up In Your Business shows. We've had lots of interesting guests, just like this week's, and you can re-watch and re-listen to them all at our YouTube channel for flagandbanner.com. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Chris Jones, a boy from Pine Bluff that grew up to be a nuclear physicist, doctor of urban planning, minister, father, husband, and who is now running for the governorship of Arkansas in the upcoming election on November the 8th. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit. We've kind of talked about infrastructure and how Mm -hmm. we just need to be proactive and not know that Diamond City needs a new water system, but we're not going to talk about it till it breaks. We've talked about education. We know teachers need, raise, need raises. There's 1.6 million billion. billion, billion. Do- I can't even believe that. <laughs> I mean, I just kept, I, mean, I must have asked my husband, Grady, three times, is it billion? And he'd say, it's, it's billion. billion. It's billion. And, and, uh, and then we talk about uh, health care in the rural areas, mm. but there's broadband in the rural oh, areas. Oh, my goodness, yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm not sure I care about having broadband out there because my granddaughter just stays on the Internet. <laughs> but look, you, you might not, but there's, there's a grandparent out there who needs to access telehealth. Yeah. Oh, you're right. And they can't. Mm-hmm. Right? There, there, there are kids out there who need access to educational opportunities, and they mm-hmm. can't get it. There's a small business owner who needs to tap into the global marketplace. Yeah. I can relate to can't. that. Yeah. Right? So... Imagine wanting, we talk about flight, imagine wanting to live in Stamps mm-hmm. or Harrison or Clinton, Arkansas, and having a business, but you can't live there because you don't have high-speed internet. Harrison, Arkansas doesn't have the internet? Not in the outskirts. Didn't you go to Harrison, Arkansas? I did. You know I they hate it. black people No, there. they don't. Okay, good. Not Harrison, yeah. Well, I thought. 
thought they did. Did I tell you the Harrison story? No, but I saw it or something. What's the Harrison story? That, so I, we did. We, we were showing up everywhere. So we went to Harrison, and we reserved a room in a restaurant in the back. As we figured, we get a half a dozen people, so it was a small. You get room. shot? No, I'm just kidding. Well, you know, we quit. It's got a mess. Oh my goodness! I can't pass up a good joke. You, I'm you, like, go you ahead. need to come around with me. And so um, we're, we're in Harrison, right? Uh-huh. And, and and that's the narrative of Harrison. What you said, I know yeah. it because it's right. it's a it, it was a sundown town and the Klan and everything. That's the narrative. But here's the deal: I walk up to the restaurant, and as I'm walking in. You know, it, it's packed, and so I'm thinking I'll navigate my way to the back because I want to get to the six people that are going to be there to see me in Harrison. Mm-hmm. So there are about 40, 50 people in there. Oh. I walk in and got a standing ovation. How they many were, people were in there? The, all 40 or 50 people were there. And you see. thought there were going to be six people there. I thought there were going to be six people. You had the same narrative I have. I, look. You changed your mind. Hey. That's all up. Well, here's the I, knew, I knew there's, there's knowing and there's experiencing. That's right. Um, policing and safety. Mm-hmm. How are you going to get black young black men to keep shooting, quit shooting each other? Yeah. I mean, really and yeah. truly. Well, here's the deal. Okay. I think we have to trust the folks that are living it every day and that are that are working hard on solutions that actually work. For example, and there's someone here, and you'll probably hear some more about it a little bit later. He has a program where he takes ex felons who used to be on the streets. And they're, they're, they're seeking to do something better now. And he puts them back on the streets. They have their different areas. And they're there to bring people out of the, that negative cycle, to break that cycle. Right. And, and what do you do? How do you break that cycle? One, you, you bring more educational opportunities. You bring more economic opportunities. And you show up and, and actually care. Because right now we're pointing the finger and saying... Those folks are bad. Those folks are doing wrong. And yet we're not providing educational opportunities. We're not showing up. And we have to do that. So they're us. The them us. So them us. And that's, that is not working. And what we haven't done, but we haven't had a real conversation with everyone impacted at the table, meaning families that have lost folks to gun violence, mm-hmm. um, people that have incited gun violence, police officers community leaders, church leaders, to actually sit around the table. We always have a group of people that say, often, I should say not always, a group of folks that say, I know the solution, so let me put the solution on you all. As opposed to, I believe, the people most impacted by decisions need to be at the table when decisions are made. Mm -hmm. So the folks who are likely to be the ones doing the gun violence, bring them to the table. Have a conversation with them, along with the police, along with other safety folks. And let's, let's work, lift up solutions that work and matter, because most people don't want that. So how are you going to get everybody kids. to do that? How are you going to get everybody together in one room? I saw uh, one time, maybe Chicago, the police talking to the gangbangers, and the police told the gangbangers, said, we're scared of y'all. Mm-hmm. And they were like, y'all are scared of us? Mm-hmm. And they said, we're scared of you. Yeah. And I was like, and they just had, they both had this aha moment. Yeah. It, look, they did it in Chicago. They've done it in Boston. They did it in South Africa with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Mm. Like So it, the model's there. How do you do it? You just convene people. Nine out of ten folks, if you ask them to come to the table to help solve a problem, they're going to show up. So how many people does the governor have that you get to manage personally to execute all these great ideas that you have? So one of the things that um, that the governor, the, one of the roles of the governor is appointing boards and commissions. So in addition to the staff, right, you have to manage the staff. So having managed multiple organizations, kind of understand how to manage staff. There's also the boards and commissions, and that's where a lot of this work is done. Where you, whether you talk about the MLK Commission or the Safety Commission or the Health Commission. So the appointment of folks to these boards and commissions are critical because they can be the ones to do the convenings. So generational poverty. Yeah. There's no banks anymore, even in my neighborhood. There used to not be banks in uh, Arlo Washington talked about how, from the People's Trust talked about mm-hmm. how there's no banks in, you know, low-income neighborhoods. And mm-hmm. because they're scared. I mean, who wants to put a bank up and get robbed, you know? I mean, there's no reason to put a bank there. There's no money in that neighborhood. And I can understand from a business point of view why you wouldn't want to put a bank there. <coughs> now, now, the People's Trust Bank is doing it because when through. Rock, the Winrock Foundation mm-hmm. is helping mm-hmm. 
Um, but now banks are even becoming farther and fewer between. Yeah. How do you get people to understand money and how to use money? Because it's expensive to not have a bank account and to have it, to go get your well, checks cashed at Kroger's. It is expensive to be poor. Mm-hmm. It's expensive it to be poor. It is expensive to be, and that's what we fail to realize. It, it costs a lot, all the charges and everything. Now, I will say a couple of things. One, there are models like People's uh, First Bank, uh, like Greenwood Bank, that are out there trying to meet the need. It, it's also important for us to understand how we got here. And there's a there's a, a dynamic called redlining. Have you heard of no, redlining no. before? What's that? So redlining is back in the in the 40s, 50s, and 60s when lenders would literally draw a red line around certain neighborhoods and the either say you cannot lend here or the interest rate would, was much higher there. High risk. Well, they called it risk, but it, the circle was drawn based on race. And, and, and it became a high-risk category. So what does that mean? That means investment wasn't made into those areas. And with no investment made in those areas, you fast forward 20, 30 years, 40, 50 years. Now you look and you see, well, there are no grocery stores there. There are no banks there. And you say, well, it's because the folks there are X, Y, and Z. Well, maybe it's because during... during Their uh, parents' generation. Their parents' mm-hmm. generation, we didn't make the appropriate investment. Mm-hmm. And so if we understand the problem, then we can figure out how we move forward with the solution. I don't know how you're going to solve that. Banks are closing like crazy. They've got mm-hmm. more money than God these days, and yet they're closing their branches super fast, it yeah. seems like to me. I can't find Well, that. a lot of them, they're closing, but they're also going online. And so that's why you need broadband. And so, how, yeah, how are you going to do it without so, broadband? Well, that's why we have to get broadband, high-speed Internet broadband and cellular to every place across the state because then that opens up those doors of opportunity. Mental health, substance abuse. Mm. This is something I am really passionate about. Mm-hmm, As I mm-hmm. told you before we even went on, I love alcoholics. I've had like every <laughs> husband and boyfriend I've ever had. <laughs> My son's laughing over mm. there. I do. Are, I do. Are they just attracted yeah, yeah. to you? Well, I'm fun and they're fun and I just love them. I mean, they're, <laughs> but they're very hard to live with. And so... You know, eventually it all comes, culminates into, mm. you know, you've got to grow up and you've got to figure it out. So that becomes a substance abuse problem. Mm. And you have to say the TV and all the football games are promoting. If you drink beer, you're going to have the best time of your life. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere these days. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. how do you, somebody that's ready to to stop drinking and needs a little bit of help or substance abuse, there's no, unless the judge Unless you get busted doing something and the judge sends you to a, a rehab house, yeah. you can't afford to go. Because we don't have the services. And you know, uh, to, to, to me, that challenge, you know, we're number one in meth use, the use of meth. So one of the things that we have to, again, understand that we do have a problem. And part of the problem is that the services that are needed for folks who are struggling with addiction – are not available to them. At all. Now, those services can come. They can come through the church. They can come through nonprofits. They can also come through our health care providers. And you need, a, you need a combination of that to actually serve the people. But they can't right now. They, they don't exist right now. So my husband tried to quit drinking for years and years and years. Mm. He gets mad. I keep always using him. But mm-hmm. anyway, he and both of my husbands, my ex-husband and my current husband, both drank and wanted to quit drinking and struggled and finally had to go away and yeah. they could not find a place to go and luckily they had a family that could help pay for it. You in Arkansas? No, they yeah, had to they go to go. Tennessee. Both of them wow. went away to another another yeah. state. Yeah. But if they had not had the then they, it would not they'd social still support. Be, mm-hmm. yes, they'd still be struggling. And that story is told over and over in communities and that's what's devastating communities. So if we, if we want to lift up communities and bring them back together we have to address that problem, which means we have to put providers closer to people. Because right now, your husband and ex-husband, they had to go find it. Mm-hmm. And they happen to have the resources to be able to do that. But the money but was the big deal. I mean, you can find most stuff. Folks, most folks don't, don't have, have money. That. They don't have it. Now, Obamacare will pay for it. It's mm-hmm. the first, uh, what's it called? Not Obamacare, I always call it that, but it's... Uh, Affordable Care Act. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, it will pay for it. 
if you are a low enough income. Right. So it's called the cliff effect. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? It's called the cliff effect, where where if you if you make just a little bit more in terms of what you bring in, then you lose all of your benefits and your supports. Special, special as opposed support. to a ladder, which says that as you make more income, as you work more, then we can reduce the benefits and services that you get as opposed to eliminating them. So it incentivizes you to actually do it yourself. But if, if I'm going to fall off a cliff, then no, I'm not. I had people that worked for me um, when I ran one of the organizations I ran that I was ready to give a raise to, and they had to turn the raise down. I have Because to. if they got the raise, they would lose all of their benefits. I have to. See? I absolutely have had the same thing. Same thing. That is not right. And I spoke with um, Chris Hart, who runs uh, Central Maloney in Pine Bluff. Uh, he and I talked about that a lot in his workforce and how he's struggling with his workforce because he wants to pay them well. But he can't. But he can't. And they, they work, he said, every day, 20% of his workforce does not show up for work. Why? Because they, have, they themselves put themselves on a reduced work schedule because if they worked all five days, they make too much money and they lose all their benefits. Mm-hmm. All of them. So we talk about this idea of a cliff effect. How do you I, change that? What is policy? Policy can easily change the cliff effect to a ladder. So you, is, it, is it Arkansas policy? It's a, it's, or is it we, federal you, policy? You, it's both. We can, we can change it at the state level. You're going to need federal changes. However, we can implement uh, state policy that will make a change. So let's talk about your campaign. You have no money. Well, no, that's not true. We okay, don't. We don't have Sarah Sanders money. Oh my gosh, she has over six million dollars. Yeah, yeah. You have yeah. under one million dollars. Yeah. So what's your what's your what's your strategy here? Well, look, this is always about um, having the money to run our race, not her race. This is always about doing the work to meet our Kansas where they are. Period. Because at the end of the day, when you and I've always said this, when you engage in our Kansas and you look them in the eye and you have and you respectfully. Ask them for their support and tell them why it matters. They'll give you a chance. And I'm seeing it in South Arkansas. I'm seeing it in North Central Arkansas. I'm seeing it all over. So we're putting in the work to engage people directly, and it's making a difference. And at the end of the day, it's about the votes, not the money. Arkansas's 50th in voter turnout, 50th. In 2020, we had 3 million people in our state. One million Arkansans could have voted but didn't. That's more than everyone who voted in the last gubernatorial election. Mm-hmm. We're a non-voting state. So how do you change that? You're not going to change that through the same traditional methods. You change that by meeting people where they are. You know what we do now? When I stop at a gas station, I go in, I talk to the attendant, and I say, are you interested to vote? A lot of times they say I'm not. And so you know what I do? I pull out a voter registration form, and we get them registered right there. Wow, that's proactive. And why not? So anybody, and because no one's ever asked them. And well, then do I say, you have a, go ahead. I'd love to have your vote. Nine times out of ten, they say yes. But they got to take off work to do it because you can only vote eight hours a day on one day or something crazy <laughs> like we that. We do early voting now. So. Yeah. Uh, when, when does early voting start? Early voting starts October 24th. You have to do it downtown only? There are different voting locations mm-hmm. depending on what county you live in. Yeah. There are often multiple early voting locations. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And so we're making sure that people know about that. Again, people don't usually talk to gas station attendants and barbers and the like. And these are the folks who aren't showing up to vote, but they could if we asked them. And you're doing that by your campaign called Walk a Mile. Walk a Mile in Your Shoes. How many miles do you walk a day? Uh, It depends on the day. Some days three, some days one. And here's, here's the deal, though. We set out a goal to walk a mile in every county, and by the end of our walk, we would have taken a million steps, and that's one step for every person who could have voted but didn't. But guess what? We've already crossed two and a half million steps. Because some places they're walking, we're walking more. Now, that's not Chris Jones walking two and a half million steps. That's all of us collectively. (laughs) We had 120 people in Springdale walk with us. We had 40 people walk in Jonesboro in 105-degree weather, and one of them was a 91-year-old woman. Oh. Right. She remembers when you couldn't vote, when women couldn't vote. She, and that's why she's walking. Mm-hmm. But on these walks, the reason it's walk a mile in your shoes, it goes back to what we talked about. 
you, there's the narrative we hear, and there's the life people live. Walking a mile in someone's shoes, you get to understand the life they live. They tell stories about their neighborhood. They tell stories about the businesses that were there that are not there anymore. They tell stories about the opportunities that exist in their communities. And the other beautiful thing is they get to know each other. Mm-hmm. So now they're meeting new neighbors together. So are you telling people to bring a friend when they go to vote? Bring 22 friends, <laughs> 22 for 22. Um, the bumblebee story. <laughs> you tell it all the time. <laughs> the bumblebee story I'm not familiar with. Oh, I say that I noticed the pin earlier. So. Oh, tell him, tell him, Chris. Yeah, tell yeah, him. yeah. Tell me the bumblebee story. So the bumblebee looks weird. Yes. It does. He looks cute. It's cute and weird. It has a really big body uh-huh. and really small wings. Uh-huh. So as scientists look at it and they say, well, this doesn't make sense. The wings are too small to, to carry and shoulder its body. So about 90 years ago, scientists at the University of Gutenberg, and you can look it up, okay. they said, we're going to figure this thing out. And they ran the calculations, and they determined that it was aerodynamically impossible for the bumblebee to fly. Oh. And yet? Somebody forgot to tell the bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> Because the bumblebee flies anyway. Oh, sure, yeah. Did they figure out how it works? Now, about 60 years later, sure. they figured out something that the bumblebee knew all along. When it flaps its wings, and I equate that to our campaign, when you work really hard, when you show up everywhere, when you talk to everyone, when it flaps its wings, there's something underneath the bumblebee that's created. It's a oh, vortex. They so. didn't factor in the vortex. Oh. They didn't factor in that people are ready for change. You need to add to your story. Yeah, yeah. Uplifting. uplifting. He's uplifting. Oh, the bee is uplifted. Like you, you're uh, uplifting. Uplifting. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, community instead of chaos. Yes. That's why people should vote. It wasn't one of the reasons because we're we 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 need community. We don't need chaos, and people are yearning for community. I think they are. I so think everybody's. Tired that's why of it. folks showed up. Forty to fifty people showed up in Harrison. We did a. We did a walk in Mena, Arkansas. Now, Mena is definitely known as a sundown town. Mm-hmm. It is? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and for those who don't know, a sundown town, yeah. where they had signs in, in the edge of the town that said, if you're black, if you're Jewish, if you're Hispanic, and they didn't use those terms, <laughs> you do not get caught with the sundown. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Because the narrative, the story that's told, is often different from the life that's lived. So we did a walk a mile in your shoes in Mina at sundown. Mm. And we had about 30 some odd folks with us as the sun went down. And we talked about the significance and importance of a black man coming to Mina and walking at sundown. And we talked about the fact that the, that the life they live is one that wants community and doesn't want that division. Mm. They don't want that narrative. And so all across the state, we run across that, where people are yearning for community, and we need it now more than ever. That's how we solve those problems. So let's just speak frankly. If you're elected, yeah. you'll be the first black man in the mansion. Yeah. What does your wife think about that? She's scared to be the first black family in the mansion? I mean, is that safe? N- not, why would it not be safe? I, I, you Look, don't seem talk, to you, be afraid. You go to Mina, you go to Harrison, I'm yeah, going into the mansion. Yeah, like, you just believe that. Look, I am a seventh generation Arkansan. My family's been here for over 200 years. There is no soil in Arkansas that I don't feel comfortable stepping on. Mm-hmm. Period. So, all right, how do you give to your campaign? How do people learn yeah. more about you? Where do they go? They go to chrisforgovernor.com, chrisforgovernor.com. All of our policies are out there and up and available for folks to pick apart and ask questions about and learn. And you can donate from the website right there. You can follow me on social media at Jones for AR, Jones, F-O-R-A-R, on any platform. Jones for AR. Yeah. And we, we engage people, too. So you're leading in social media. <laughs> Actually, you may not be leading in money, but you are leading in yeah. Google searches. You are yep. leading in social media. Yep. But I, I'm sorry, Chris, but those are young people, and they don't go vote. Historically, yeah. they do not go right. vote. But guess what? There was a time when historically we didn't have a black man as president. Mm-hmm. There was a time historically when women couldn't vote. Mm-hmm. There was a time historically. So it's impossible until it happens. Yeah. You feel good about it? So here's what I feel good about. Um. This is where my faith comes in. 
You know, I've run the numbers, I've done the math, I, I see the pathway, and there is a pathway. Um, my job, as according to scripture, is to plant and water. Some plant, some water, only God brings the increase. That's what the scriptures say. So my job is to wake up every day and plant a seed or water a seed or do both. And, work, and I wake up and I work as hard as I can to do that. And then I go to sleep peacefully because it's all on God from there. Mm-hmm. So it's God that will touch folks' hearts and say, you know what? I may be a Trump voter. I may be a hard Republican. I may have never voted for a Democrat in my life. But I'm going to do something different today. That's God changing people's hearts. And why are they doing it? Because they're ready for something different. They're ready for community. And it, it'll be folks that say, I've been a Democrat all my life, and I felt beaten down, and I felt ignored, and I can't say it. But now I'm going to stand up proudly and say it because we're standing up for a community and bringing people together. Love it. I think that's a good place to end. Chris Jones for governor. I have you a gift. Oh, I got gifts. Oh, let me see what so. let me see what Sun Gray packed up for let's you. Let's see what we got. Oh, oh an, Ar- uh-huh. an Arkansas yes. and a U.S. flag. That's set. Let me yeah. get you I a base. And you yeah. see, I have a pin that has an Arkansas and a U.S. Well, flag. Well, you on better. It. You're running yeah. for governor. Go. So that and there's your oh, base. We got a base too. Yeah, uh-huh. so that's for, for your desk. desk set. Every every politician needs a desk set. Yes, yes. Did you bring him a whoopee cushion? I sure did. It should be in that bag. We have you a whoopee cushion Yay. that's so funny. That my daughters will love. That, that's exactly why I told Grady to put it in there because it says no Putin and it has a picture of Putin's face. They're going to love it. They will love it. Thank all right. you so much. You're you the best. You are all oh, thanks. You're the best, too. All right. In closing, to thank you again, Chris, for coming on. Uh, in closing, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening. And it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio show, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, email me, gray, at gray at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream. 